Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to, to heaven to draw upon the wisdom of the saints, the spiritual patrimony of the church, that we might better understand how to navigate this tumult of life and help others to do the same. And that's what this show is about. And so we have a guest who I would say is an exemplar of what it means to help people navigate the tumult of life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about navigating the tumult of priestly life. Priestly life, right. Today. Yeah. The difficulties of yeah. priestly life. So our guest today is Father Ezra Sullivan. Um, the book we'll be discussing is Alter Christus, Priestly Holiness on Earth and in Eternity. You're not going to want to miss this. He is a Dominican friar of the province of St. Joseph in the USA mm -hmm. and professor of moral theology and psychology at the University of St. Thomas Aquinas in Rome at the Angelicum. He has published numerous articles on bioethics, artificial intelligence, moral theology, and ecclesial history. In addition to Alter Christus, he is the author of Habits and Holiness, Ethics, Theology, and Biopsychology uh, from uh, CUA Press in 2021, and Heroic Habits, Discovering the Soul's Potential for Greatness. So and he's welcome. also written for us at spiritualdirection.com right, right. when he wasn't so busy and shipped off to Rome and he was still on the East Coast. Welcome back, Father Ezra. It's great to see you. Great to have you with us. Thank you. Good to see you both. So I, when I picked up this book, I, I, was, I thought, wow, is this not needed in this time? I want to read just a handful of things off the back cover that are extracted out from uh, from from Sophia as they put the book together. Two virtues to cultivate when combating a Messiah complex. Why you should never become a buddy Jesus. How love is irreplaceable in a priest's life. What hell will be like for unrepentant and sinful priests. What heaven will be like for holy priests. And the four keys to powerful preaching. Um, what, I mean, this is a powerhouse work, I think. I'd love every one of our priest friends to read, to be encouraged and inspired why what what motivated you to write it well i i received um a phone call and um there was an italian voice on the other line and um it was a monsignor who who works in the vatican and uh, he invited me to give a retreat for priests up in verona italy mm. that wasn't my plan i had other plans but i dropped those and you know when the vatican asks you to do something <laughs> right if it's virtuous, you say yes. And <laughs> so virtuous, right? I, um, so I went up to Verona and, uh, and, and I created talks that eventually I transformed into the book. And so this was originally for ordinary diocesan priests. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I wanted Alter Christus to cover a lot of the material that, you know, I, I myself was interested to learn. There are a lot of books about the priesthood, and I wanted this one to be, as it were, comprehensive. And the aim of the priesthood, so the subtitle is Priestly Holiness uh, on Earth and Eternity. And I, you know, Stephanie and I do a lot of ministry work uh, for priests in, in, in the realm of healing. It's just been something God has 
designed for us. So we see a lot of really good men who are struggling in one way or the other, and, and they're they're all going from good to better, um, but at various paces and with various challenges. Um, the diocesan life, uh, you know, you're a religious, poses some very unique and difficult uh, issues for even the best of diocesan priests. How, it seems to me you've tapped into that, even though you're religious, and maybe it's because you're forming uh, diocesan priests, right? Um, how, where did the sources of inspiration come from beyond your your own personal interest in, in, in priestly formation? Um, how, how did you derive some of the, the, the key points? Because knowing your writing, I'm sure you, you've seen what we've seen. And, right. And, yeah. Well, I, I would say um, first, I have a number of friends who are di di diocesan priests. And in speaking with them, in uh, helping them out in various ways, it's helped me to understand um, what some of my brother priests go through when they're in the diocese. Yes. And then also here at the Angelicum, I would say a majority of my students are either seminarians or diocesan priests. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and in addition, I've, I've just read a lot of materials about this and yeah. tried to understand some of the history of the diocesan priesthood. Why is it the way it is now? And what did it look like in the past? And that sort of gives me a, a broader view outside of our, our, you know, very small view within the world in this particular present moment. Yeah, yeah. Father Ezra, what do you think is is like what if you could encapsulate what's the difficulty of being a diocesan priest? Like the top what, three, or what do you mean? What what are the things that happen or or that are placed upon our priests or they fall into that really turns um, their ability to be holy? It really puts a cross on them that makes it very difficult. If you could name some of those things that that you see as some of the difficulties that work against our priests. Right. So there, there are going to be external and internal difficulties that um, a diocesan priest is going to face. And some of the external difficulties are definitely uh, loneliness yeah. because um, now may, often they live alone in a rectory or maybe just with one other priest. And, um, and that wasn't always the case. That, yeah. um, in fact, you know, after the Council of Trent, it, the, the bishops tried to encourage priests to live a common life. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, in fact, they always preferred to have a rectory with five fellows who would go out missionary style rather than to have a man who's living alone by himself. So, yeah. so I'd say you know, loneliness um, certainly is, is one of the top. Now, of course, you know, married couples can be lonely also, even together. Yeah, sure. Um, but but it, it has of course a different character. So um, so loneliness is one. Secondly, um, the secularity that the world is now undergoing, and mm -hmm. um, and a priest is always challenged to know how to live out his own life, not having a religious structure and having you know these sort of this secularity impinging upon him. For instance, you know, for me, it's a lot easier to live as it were a religious life. I have all my brothers. I wear my habit. They wear their habits. And a priest has to ask himself, well, am I going to wear my collar? Am I going to make myself available in some of those ways? But also mm -hmm. the secularity that can arise within his own life. Um, so those are two external forces, I would say. Um, internally, 
I would say one is um, certainly immaturity. Unfortunately, there's there's a large amount of um, emotional immaturity and and a lack of full autonomy. And what I mean is, you know, you know, I'm using psychological language, but what I mean is sometimes a priest can go through formation and um, and not be treated like an adult, not to have full mm. responsibilities. And and this kind of limits his um, his own apprehension of his priesthood. Mm. And then he's sort of cast out into the wild and um and it leads to a lot of difficulties as he sort of stumbles around and tries to figure out how yeah. to lead the flock of god alone um, alone alone yeah. that's right with, yeah. with very little assistance yeah and 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 then the other internal difficulty i would say and this is chief of course is um a minimal prayer life mm-hmm. and um yeah. and not having the interior union with jesus christ with the Holy Trinity mm-hmm. that actually impels him to continually give himself in a holy way to the mm. people. So, so th- there are four causes and, and I'm sure there are more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a fascinating seminary. If you'd asked me, the first one would have been isolation, which is the other side of the coin of, of loneliness. And it, what's interesting, um, a number of priests have come through recently, one who's establishing a community of diocesan priests in, in, a, in a particular diocese to mitigate some of these issues. Another recently expressed to us an interest and in, in that sort of thing. But I, but I also want to say this to our audience and ask for your prayer. We are now working with in priestly formation in 40 dioceses in the United States. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things we teach guys who are heading into the seminary is how to pray and how to, how to, how to, what, how to understand who is this Jesus to me personally? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus? And I think that's going to go a long way. But I, I think the other three that you noted are all mitigated by community. And if priests can form intentional community in their dioceses uh, and even share a, a kind of a diocesan priestly spirituality that has some directionality to it, would go a long way to creating a more constant rhythm of, of spiritual life and encouragement. And so a beautiful uh, summary. I, that's, I think that's very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Good. So we're, we're talking with Father Ezra Sullivan, uh, OP, and he's written an, an exceptional book, Altar Christus, Priestly Holiness on Earth and in Eternity. And uh, we'll be buying this for every single priest that passed through uh, our retreat center down in Montgomery, Alabama, from now on. Is the book only for priests? Well, the book is for everybody. Mm-hmm. When when I wrote the book, I wanted to provide a way to understand both the priesthood, and so if somebody wanted basically a summary of the sacramentology mm. and of you know the role of the priest, you get it here. But go. also there are a lot of principles that are applicable in every way of life. Um, I've received feedback already from some lay people saying, "Hey, this is great! All you, I can apply this to my life immediately. Like, all you have to do is just take out you know, the the paragraph that's about a priest and plug in family, and really, a lot of the principles are the same." Mm. Very that's good. beautiful. That's beautiful. very good. Well, the the next thing I want I want to shift gears to uh, dive in a little bit more to the holiness issue, right? So. You mentioned that in terms of prayer is, is the big barrier. We're almost ready to head into a break. When we come back from the break, I want to talk about your admonitions to prayer. I noticed uh, 
I think you quoted one of my favorite uh, authors on prayer. Well, there's a couple in here. Of course, you're going to lean on Lagrange, but I think I saw Liguri, if I remember right, uh, in this realm, and he's so hard-hitting on prayer. We just brought a book back to print called Prayer, A Great Means of Salvation uh, through Sophia Institute, which I think would convince any priest to pray. So, Father Ezra Sullivan, Altar Christus, Priestly Holiness, and uh, on earth and in, and in eternity. We get back to them in the break. We're going to talk about holiness in the life of the priest. We'll be right back. Hi, friends. We want to personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy in marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward slash events register today. There is a growing need for well-formed, solid spiritual directors in the church today. The Avila Institute, in collaboration with Heart of Christ Spiritual Direction Program, offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards God. The program is grounded in Ignatian and Carmelite spirituality based on a Catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles and the new evangelization. This program offers both online and on-site classes Discover more and apply today at avala-institute.org. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven for us. We're talking with Father Ezra Sullivan about a very important book that you need to buy and read and buy it for your priest, Alter Christus. You should read it for yourself too. Priestly Holiness and on Earth and in Eternity. So I want to shift gears and kind of get down to brass tacks on on prayer um i i'm i'm it's clear to me that you have a deep commitment to prayer i mean everybody thinks our religious do but it's not necessarily always the case um the how important is mental prayer to the priesthood maybe maybe start with what is mental prayer and why is it that every priest ought to be engaged in it well the the general definition of prayer used in the catechism comes from St. John of Damascus, where he says mm. it's the raising of the mind and the heart to God. Mm. And, and mental prayer then will be the focus of the mind upon God in, in a way in which the body is at rest. And so, you know, typically you're sitting or you're kneeling and you're in a place that's undistracted. Mm. And then your mental prayer can either use imagination. Uh, it's best if you transcend the imagination and then you move to the acts of the will to yeah. uh, to love God and to accept him and all the acts of the will that flow from your understanding, your faith. Yeah, very good. And in the in the and in in on a brass tax tax brass tax level, we're talking about entering into the, the richest source of that knowledge of God and in, at least in the sense of what we can comprehend by our own dis discursive action is in the Gospels, right? Meditating on the person and work of Jesus where, where uh, uh, this, uh, you know, around different times of the year, we focus on different aspects of that, like Advent or Lent. But um, what do you propose for priests? How important is prayer, this kind of prayer for priests 
And do you propose a, a regimen or just uh, an encouragement? What do you what do you want to say to the priests listening about? The or month, the or aren't they prayer? just too busy to pray? Oh, you know what? Yeah, that's right. We we forgot. We're just putting too much on them. Yeah, I mean, I, that's you know, I hear that they've just I, got too much to do. He's so polite. Go ahead. Father. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I um I, I discovered a book by Saint Alphonsus Liguori when uh, when I was in college. And I remember being in the rectory of a redemptorist church Mm -hmm. and they had a shelf of of San Alfonso's Liguori's books and it really changed my life. And and one of the books that I found was this book called The Great and Necessary Means of Salvation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and there, San Alfonso, a doctor of the church, um, he was a Neapolitan saint, so just full of that Italian emotion. Yeah. And, um, and he, he taught me how to pray more intimately to mm-hmm. Christ. And of course, you know, I, I had prayers memorized and um, in, in fact, a number of scriptures. And yet St. Alphonsus's way of speaking to the Blessed Virgin Mary, speaking to Jesus, as you would speak to your friend, um, really helped me to understand that prayer wasn't simply asking God for something, uh, nor was it simply, you know, saying, I'm sorry. But it was also pouring out the love of my heart to mm-hmm. Christ, knowing that he's listening and asking the saints to come to me in the particular power that they have as intercessors. So so the first thing I would say is uh, everybody has time to pray. It's a matter of priorities. And frankly, if you don't have time to pray, it's because you're putting something else before prayer. That's and that right. might include work. But often, frankly, it's going to include entertainment. Yeah. And um, just to just to be very honest about things, um, I know that people work hard, and you know they we all need a virtuous recreation. Undoubtedly, you know Saint Thomas insists this is part actually of virtue. Nevertheless, prayer should come first, mm-hmm. and and that means we pray when we wake up, we pray throughout the day. But then there's certain times that we have to set aside. There was an old missionary, diocesan priest, um, he once said to me before he died, he was in his 90s, he said that one of the things that helped him to be faithful when he was in Kenya for many years working out in a diocese with a bishop, he said one of the things that helped him be faithful to his life was having a regular schedule of prayer that he said, I set a time the same time every single day. He says, I never let anything interrupt that. And and I think that's absolutely crucial, especially now that priests can be accessed by the telephone, text, email, so many constant ways for a person to be distracted. If you don't say to yourself, I'm going to pray at this time, then um, often you'll wait until the last minute or you won't pray at all. So simply having a a regular schedule itself is going to be kind of a a foundation and a concrete pillar. So that would be my challenge to some, uh, any listeners, but especially priests over Lent is not, not just say to yourself, oh, I'm going to pray, you know, half an hour a day or something, but say, I'm going to pray half an hour a day at this time, 7 a.m. or whenever it is. Well, I I wrote a book called Into the Deep, Finding Peace Through Prayer, and in it, trying to resurrect a form of a blend of Lexio Divina and Ignatian imaginative prayer. But in it, I have three pillars, sacred uh, time, which you just described, which is we dedicate specific time to God and we promise it to him. And and I think, I don't want to get my theology wrong here, but I like to say under pain of sin, that level of promise. And of course, Aquinas says that that um, if we don't pray, we have sinned, right? So 
it is necessary to pray. Sacred attention or sacred space is what you have that's unique as religious, but everyone can create, which is a place to go. Both of those, if you go at the exact time and you go to a sacred space, it can it it trains your body in essence to be your friend. You get your body becomes habitually in rhythm, both in terms of the um, the visual aspects of prayer, the benefits of beauty and icons and candles, and then of course the rhythm of time, and then the third is sacred attention, and that's what we talk about. Uh, specific matter to pray about. Um, the Gospels are going to be the best place. And St. Teresa of Avila says, of course, as with Liguri, that uh, the graces that come in mental prayer suppress sin and increase virtue by nature and dispose us then thereby more fully to the sacrament. So it's like it creates this virtuous uh, cycle upward for anyone who undertakes the discipline. And, and boy, you want your, you want your priesthood life to, to be much more than a temporal uh, gain for the kingdom. You want it to be eternal, working with Christ in you, through you, because of your union with him, is going to magnify everything you do to the glory of God and to eternal consequences, not just temporal. So we got, and we, and you know, as lay people, it's, we have to fight to help our priests, if we're working in the parish, get stuff off his plate and encourage him and give him space to pray as well. Well, you know, and, and to that point, you know, we, we as lay people can do this as well. So yeah. I don't want anybody to come away from this broadcast thinking, well, that's only for priests. No way. Priests no are way. supposed to do that. Yeah. Because that was a turning point for me. I like to call it first fruits. Mm-hmm. And um, to Father's point, clearing my calendar, I, I would start with a b- brand new calendar. That was the, the game changer for mm-hmm. me because I kept trying to fit prayer into my life. Yeah. But when I started with a blank calendar, decided what I was going to give the Lord in my week in ink and yeah. everything else was in pencil, yeah. it was it, it changed my life. Yeah. It absolutely transformed my life. And it was just an extraordinary gift. So Perfect. then then our life becomes an outpouring of that prayer yeah. and we're being filled with the Lord. And then our, our work becomes an outpouring of that grace that we've received so it's just a beautiful thing, that sacred time, sacred space, and then the sacred attention of turning off everything and starting, you know, at the beginning of the day and giving the Lord our first fruits. Well said. I want to go back to Father Ezra. So you recommended a book, which I said that you discovered that we just brought back into print. One of the things he says in the book, Alphonsus Liguri, is if you don't practice mental prayer, you are not making it. And then he makes an argument for why. Uh, you, you won't stay on the narrow way. You'll be too uh, controlled by sin. You won't have clarity about your own defects. You'll, you know, so he, he, he beautifully and powerfully, as you noted, makes those arguments. But um, in, in, there's a point in, in Alter Christus where you talk about considering our last ends. And I think that's what Liguri does so well in terms of how he deals with the call to eternal activity, if you will. Uh, I don't know a better way of saying that. So why is the remembrance of death, why did, you, why did you find that so important to put that in the book, Alter Christus? Well, for one thing, um, the book of Sirach says that in everything you, you do, remember the end of your life, and then you will never sin. And, and Aquinas picks that up, and he says, essentially, when we keep in mind heaven, then that provides both a motive for all the actions that we're performing, 
as well as it provides us with um, a, an ordering goal. Because now I understand the relative value of all of these things in light of heaven. Some of them have eternal consequence and some of them are temporal and they will simply pass away. And so what I wanted to do was to help my brother priests to consider that uh, if they don't repent from their grave sins and, and make this firm purpose of amendment, that they will suffer more than other people because of the gift that they've been given. Whereas at the same time, I think we, you know, this sort of false egalitarianism of the world um, would suggest that, oh, well, um, if priest gets to heaven, you know, we're all, we're all going to have the same kind of gifts and rewards. Well, not necessarily. Uh, they're, they're appropriated according to our cooperation with the grace that we've been given. And, um, and so that, that also is a kind of a motive where, you know, the person who's been given one city, our Lord says, well, you know, if, he, if he's faithful to that, you, you have it doubled. And but the person who's been given five, well, now they'll have 10. So so I, th I think that um, I wanted to both warn as well as encourage mm -hmm. priests to think about what um, what might happen, whether for ill or for good, depending on their cooperation with God's work in their life. Excellent. Well, Father Ezra Sullivan. OP, everything he's written, and I don't say this about every guest, um, not that I discriminate, but everything he's written uh, is worth reading, including on our uh, website, spiritualdirection.com on the topic of yoga, has written some of the best work there. But this book is important. I think it's for the laity, also for priests. Please go buy one for your priests and um, spend some time reading it. And as you read it, pray for your priests because diocesan priests, priestly life is extremely difficult in my work in our working with priests it's just clear to us that they're assailed from within and from without uh, they're isolated typically they need lay people who don't have political agendas but who are faithful and want to support them and invite them to dinner not to manipulate them but to love them you know all of these things we need to surround our priests with prayer with love with good formation you can send them to the Avalon Institute. You can buy them courses here. Hey, you can tell them about the retreat center in Montgomery, Alabama, and tell them to reach out. Yeah. And we provide a place for them to rest. It's beautiful. It's and on 60 prayer, acres. They receive specific prayer. Um, and it's just re remarkable. So come rest. Thank you, know. you Father you Sullivan. You too, Father Ezra. Come yeah, rest. When you come, when you coming back to the United States? I'll be back at, actually for Holy Week. Awesome. Oh. Well, if you want to slip down to to uh, Montgomery. We'd love to see you, but either way, thanks for being such a good priest and for spending so much of your life to uh, advance the kingdom of God. Thank you, and thank you for all that you do. Okay, so until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. learn more about the interior life, visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.